When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The World Cricket Show is... Pra- too, much, too much emphasis on world. <laughs> <laughs> the World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket. Quality bat makers since 1919. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm presumably why you've tuned in. And making up the numbers is Tony Kerr. Afternoon. Tony, where are we? That's a good question. Uh, well, it's a different location to our usual recording spot. We're uh, not in our usual studio, that would be fair to say. No. Inspired by our experience in the Caribbean, if, you, if you've been listening to the show for a month, or <laughs> yeah. around a couple of months, or longer. Uh, yeah, we, we were treated to uh, a pretty spectacular backdrop for our West Indies tour special. Uh, so anyway, yeah, you know, in the spirit of, of that uh, and realising that we don't need to sit in a sweaty room surrounded by my underwear, uh, we have brought it to one of, if not probably the iconic Guernsey Beach, Kobo Beach. The iconic Guernsey Beach, yeah, that's that's probably an accurate statement. I mean, we're not surrounded by mountains of your underwear, but you are just sat here in your underwear, so <laughs> yeah. still got some of the same vibe. But it is nice to, to get out of your... Uh, your spare room your box room and get out into the great outdoors onto the beach as you say I, th- I think it's just that thing that having been to the caribbean which is like well i'm not recording in your flat anymore i've been spoiled by that i mean the only thing we're l- lacking now is uh, a nice glass of cold white wine and i'm waiting for it to arrive i, I presume you've sorted that <laughs> yeah don't worry mate that's that's on the way <laughs> yeah and i think this is the the logical uh point to take the podcast i think ahead of uh, what is you know promising to be a spectacular summer of cricket and it, and it feels like it's arrived today summer is here very much we were saying just before we started recording that the the next step so currently we're on the beach we spread a spread a mat out you're getting your sandy feet all over my mat which i'm i'm fighting hard not to say anything about and we spread a mat out we've got the equipment here we're saying next step is to hire a producer or or an intern or just force one of our friends to uh, follow us around holding the recording equipment because then we can go and like paddle in the sea while we're recording the podcast so that's that's the next step I, you know if we don't do that before the end of this world cup or before the end of the ashes series then we'll have let ourselves down and you guys yeah the, the listeners will be the ones to really miss out <laughs> if we don't do that well it's been a wild tone uh, it's been a month or so since the last episode but we're back at the start of what is as you say an enormous summer of cricket, one of the biggest summers in English cricketing history, I think Huge. it would be fair to say. Uh, we obviously got the Ashes coming up at the start of August, uh, but before that, of course, the Cricket World Cup in England over the next little while. Uh, and it all kicks off next Thursday, the 30th of May, uh, with the first match between England and South Africa at the Oval. Uh, well, in a minute, we're going to go 
team by team through all the teams or uh, unnecessarily comprehensive team by team rundown. Uh, but here's my first question, Tane. How excited are you? Pretty excited, I'd say. Uh, I don't want to be critical of anyone at a tournament. I, I don't know. I know. You know, and we're not. We don't live in England. Uh, obviously, we're in Guernsey. As you've mentioned, we're on possibly Guernsey's most iconic beach. Exactly. Uh, the the build-up in terms of generating excitement. I'm not sure that you know, like England launched their kit last night, and it, that was nine days before the tournament. I mean, like, surely do that, do it six weeks before the tournament or two months before the tournament. Likewise, you know, the squads get named very close, closer than like a football World Cup would be. Uh, so in a way, I guess it concentrates the excitement. But yeah, uh, you don't really get the sense that there's a huge amount of anticipation in the country. I mean, there are other things going on, European elections and whatnot. You know, Nigel Farage is kind of marching around getting doused in milkshakes. Covered by milkshakes. But uh, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe, uh, you know, as we approach the end of the, the, you know, the business end of things that, you know, and England, you know, by the you, by the looks of it, you think would be in the mix there that that you know things would have reached fever pitch, but it's it's a slow burner at the moment. Yeah, well, well, I was going to say, you know, you say oh, that they've only unveiled the kit sort of nine days before, but is there not an argument that if they'd done it like two months before, that you risk the anticipation burning out? That, like, for example, the original squads. Now, I know that I know England have like officially named their squad this week. It's like the finalised squads this week. But they originally named the squads the first week of April. And to me, that was just like, well, what's the point of doing so this? So for and you, too early. It was too <laughs> early, yeah. Um, but I agree with you that it doesn't necessarily feel... You don't get the sense that there's like a real buzz of excitement in England at the moment. But then maybe once the tournament actually starts, it'll be different. And it's unfair to compare it to something like the Football World Cup or the Olympics because, you know, they are just on a different level. And one of the reasons for that is something that is probably worth talking about i mean i i you know to answer my own question of how excited am i i would say i have somewhat mixed feelings about it because i mean i'm a little bit wary of of starting a world cup preview uh with something negative and we are we are kicking off on a bit of a negative note you know and i don't want to sort of burst anybody's balloon here uh, but i do have quite mixed feelings I mean, on one level i suppose it would be it'd be strange if i wasn't excited because i like cricket and there's going to be a lot of cricket over the next couple of months. And I'm certainly excited about England's chances of, of, of winning the thing, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, but it does have to be said that the ICC don't make it easy for us to be excited. I mean, obviously, this is famously a 10-team tournament, which was extremely controversial. There's no Ireland, no Scotland. And that does take some of the, the, the novelty out of it, doesn't it? That it's, It doesn't feel like this truly kind of special unusual global event it's based it's almost just an, another champions trophy uh, but more importantly for me this format is just diabolically bad yet again it's way too long which the cricket world cup has always been not as bad as some previous iterations but it's still 48 matches over seven weeks uh, so it's one fewer match than last time five fewer than 2003 but it's still far too many so it's way too long, but also the way that those 48 games are, have been organised and being arranged is just terrible, I think. It's, it's one massive group stage where everyone plays everyone. So actually there's going to be 45 matches before we get to a knockout game. We could well be, you know, 30, 35 games in before any one match starts to feel like it means anything. Or, you know, where you start to really get a sense of, of who's in with a shout of qualifying for the semi-finals, and that 
I mean, that's just ridiculous to me. I think if you, if you know, if you, if we were sort of, if the two of us, Tom, were kind of brainstorming ideas for a cricket tournament, and we said, right, let's start with like the worst possible idea. Let's come up. What would be the worst tournament, and we'll kind of work backwards from that or work up from that. I think you'd get somewhere close to this. I think you better get in the sea. You need to cool <laughs> off, mate. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, you, know, you actually look at the fixes and you just think, I mean, it, there's almost no scope for probably three of the sides in the tournament not to get to the semi-finals. I would say the fourth spot uh, should be competitive up for grabs. Maybe that's a bit too strong, uh, but I, but I agree. You know, we, we've spoken about it at length. I guess it's, it's the fate has been sealed. But you know, at the very least, the full full ICC members should all be there at the very least. And you know, there are currently what sixteen teams in the ODI rankings they should all be there and you know of, you know the ICC have been uh, tinkering haven't they they've got a new qualification pathway for 2023 uh, we, we, you know which we could talk about that another day probably but yeah I mean the, the, the bottom line is there aren't enough teams and it's uh, and the teams that are there are playing too many matches well sorry to uh, to start off on a, a negative note um, hopefully it's out of my system now won't mention it again, but you know, I do feel like it would it maybe be disingenuous not to at least flag that up at the outset. That for all that I'm excited about England and I'm I want to be excited about the Cricket World Cup, it's such a badly arranged, badly formatted tournament that it's hard, isn't it? Uh, and, and exactly, you know, even the last two World Cups have come in for criticism from yourself, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, for for their length and everything. But you know, even at least with that, you got you had quarterfinals, so you had what seven knockout games, uh, and because of the way the two groups were were set up, I mean, I guess you had the, the super. I, I forget the super eights and all that, got super twelves, yeah, or whatever yeah. It is, super unleaded. Uh, <laughs> Super Mario. Yeah, exactly. You had yeah, you you had more clutch matches, as you say. How many genuine sort of clutch matches will there be in this tournament where things are decided by a, you know on a single day? Yeah, where it's all on the line. Yeah, it's gonna be very few. When, as you say, and we're gonna talk about them in a second, but it w- it would be pretty extraordinary, you'd think, for England not to get out of the group given their form. So we're excited about England in this tournament, but it could well be that there's only two matches that where it feels like something really matters that they're playing. I mean, the flip out side... Out of potentially 11. The flip side of all that, as a sort of festival of cricket, you know, brilliant. You know, you've got, as you say, 45 matches being played around England over the space of six or seven weeks. 48. Uh, 48 matches, sorry. Uh, facts right, Tone. Let's, let's put aside whether it's all to make money or not, but uh, from a kind of getting people to the games and just enjoying cricket you know there's there's sort of unparalleled opportunities yeah and as i say it's, it's something that we should be excited about for sure and you know if england win the tournament i suspect we'll get over it i suspect that won't be the the, the length and the format won't be the thing that we remember as england fans if england do win it um so let's let's talk about them a bit so they they announced as you mentioned their their final 15 man squad on tuesday the, the big headlines there being that Jofra Archer is in there, uh, ousting David Willey, and Liam Dawson uh, recalled as well in place of Joe Denley. But what stole the show for me, Tone, was their new kit. You've mentioned it. You saw this kit. Saw it. Really cool. Good work. Retro. Old school. 
arguably the best thing the ECB have done for about 25 years. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, pretty uh, pretty nice. Uh, I think they launched it in a sort of warehouse in East London, by the looks of it, with uh, the now ubiquitous Felix White hosting the event, I believe. Uh, yeah. And I, I did You're see... You're a bit sour tone that you weren't <laughs> yeah, asked to do yeah. that. Uh, yeah, next year, next mm. time. But it was quite funny. I, I think I saw some content from Crick Info where the reporter was sort of asking the, the England players kind of how swaggy they feel in the new kit. And it's sort of just Owen Morgan and Joe Root trying to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was quite amusing. I feel like England should always play in sky blue. Sky blue for me over dark blue. When you're, and you should never read the comments, should you? But, uh, you know, some of the, the feedback, though, from people was like, oh, it's, it's awful, you know, it should be in, should really? be in a darker blue. But, uh, you know, the real opinions are that it's a really, it's a, it's a top kit. Is, uh, and that I will be getting one of those shirts. Yeah, I actually really want one. Is it just like, it's what you grew up with? So when we were young children, England played in Sky Blue. So that feels that feels proper. Dark Blue's always felt um, newfangled. But I guess for you know younger people than us, perhaps the Sky Blue's not right. But they're wrong. <laughs> um, it's been an extraordinary four years for England, hasn't it? The results have been remarkable. They haven't lost the bilateral series for two and a half years now. Number one in the world, actually by a reasonable distance. But it's the way they've played, isn't it, that's been the truly astonishing thing. Big hitting, swashbuckling, fearless brand of cricket, dominant brand of cricket. When you chuck in the fact that they're at home, I mean, it, this almost goes without saying, really, doesn't it? But surely they've never had a better chance to win a World Cup than they do this time. Absolutely not, and not, not even. It's just it's such a different situation to anything previously because it like what has come before wasn't even just like plucky, you know, good efforts. It was diabolical. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it that like, like frankly diabolical and and just so limp, so utterly limp. Twenty fifteen was one of the real low points in English yeah. cricket, wasn't it? I mean. They, it is it is actually astonishing. It's got to be one of the biggest turns around. It's got to be one of the biggest turnarounds. I don't know in any sport of any kind because it, it, you know for for England to have been so far behind what seemed to be the trend or you know seemed to be the, the sort of you know the the winning mo uh, a few years ago to now being like on a, on a on a different planet to even the teams India Australia who you'd think actually would be the one, or certainly, you know, India with the talent they've got, you know, would be the ones kind of setting the, the trend. Yes, it's it's absolutely crazy. As you say, that they were, in 2015, it just felt like they were decades behind. And now they're, as you say, they're setting the example for others to follow. Um, and, and, it, and actually, when you look back at 2015... So quickly. Yeah. And actually, when you look back at 2015, though, that side, it, it's not huge, it's not, you know, it's not completely different, is it? Well, Morgan was the captain. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've basically added in Roy uh, and Bairstow, I think that's, a, that's about it. You know, Butler was there, Hales, I mean, well, Hales was there, <laughs> now, isn't now. Now, not uh, But, you know, Hales, Wokes, uh, as you say, Root, Morgan. But, but yeah, I mean, it, but there have been sort of key personnel introductions, haven't there? And, and uh, you know, just that wholesale attitude change. Yeah, and I suppose Bayless would have to take a lot of the credit. And also, yes, if you look at that World Cup squad in 2015, there are a lot of similarities, but there had been some very late changes going in. You know, Morgan had only just been made the captain. It was Alistair Cook a few weeks before, and it, they were still playing in this kind of Cook fashion. But then, yeah, it hasn't changed that much. And that perhaps um, is illustrated by the fact that not only have they turned it around, but it hasn't been like a, a gradual four-year process of turning it around. The first series after the 2015 World Cup um, against New Zealand at home, they scored 400 and 
you know, literally from then, they've been playing this way and have been more or less this good. I've made this point on the podcast before. It's been an incredible four years, and whether or not they win the World Cup, like if they don't win the World Cup, it won't sort of render the last four years meaningless or, you know, it's not like the end of Game of Thrones where it's just like, well, it's all been a waste of time then. <laughs> um, but yes, they've really never had a better opportunity. By the way, I don't know if people can hear There's a plane just going over, over our head. There are quite a few other people on the beach as well. We're getting some very strange looks, Tone. You're, I'm looking back up the beach. You're looking out to sea. But uh, yeah, there's some. I think people are wondering what we're doing. Well, what else would we be doing? There's a couple of guys there with placards. Big World Cricket Show fans over there. We love you, Tony, that one says. That's to be expected. That's why we record in private. <laughs> so I mentioned Jofra Archer is in the squad. Probably not a surprise at this point that he was named. I think basically from his first sort of three balls of that yeah. first ODI that he played, uh, that people were like, well, he's in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and I think people knew that. I, you know, I don't know how much you want to go into the whole rigmarole of, of what happened and, and all the, the stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, in, in some ways, it's, well, in many ways, it's been quite a tumultuous build-up for England, hasn't it, in the end, with, with Hales and the debate over whether to include Archer. For me, it's the right decision, for sure, but I, uh, yeah, I did feel like some of the some of the reaction to the debate around it was uh, was a bit misplaced because and, and it, you know and it, uh, the situation just did for me didn't compare to other examples of players coming into the team. Uh, you know, I think for example, had Archer qualified to play for England before the West Indies tour and had played those ODIs in the West Indies, there would have been absolutely no debate. It, it's simply the fact that we were talking like a month before the tournament. Uh, that, that you know, no one had seen him play for England. And as you say, given it had been such a successful four-year period, uh, there is an element of risk in that. You know, hope, you know, you judge by the reaction of, of Willie and Denley who've missed out in the end. I mean, it's Willie more than Denley that you kind of feel for. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, that is tough. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing to deal with, having played a really significant part in, in getting there. But, you know, actually seeing the way that the England team seemingly have dealt with the Hales incident you know that it's quite business minded isn't it I don't think there's too much you know obviously that I'm sure privately they'll be disappointed to to lose a you know a player who's been around the the scene and and, and you know was a useful player but uh but yeah I, you know I do I, I think England are actually I think there's le- it seems like there's less risk now to that that inclusion than there was before well, it was sort of an impossible situation in some ways because it had they not picked him you know, if if they if they don't pick him and they don't win the World Cup, the narrative will be well. If they'd picked Archer, they'd have won it. Having picked him, if they don't win the World Cup, there could be questions about you know did it destabilise the dressing room? So essentially, they've got to win the World Cup um, is the only way to to solve that problem. But uh, yeah, I absolutely think it's the right decision. I, I don't think it's I really don't think it's unreasonable to wonder if it would be destabilizing because they have had this incredible successful unit if this had been if he'd qualified you know in another universe if he'd qualified to England qualified to play for England just before the 2015 World Cup there'd have been no debate because England would have been desperate would have been desperate for anyone to come in and help them um but on the eve of this massive tournament that they've been building for successfully for four years to change the squad to change one sort of element of the squad is undoubtedly a risk, and I, I yeah, I, we're, we're we're sort of alluding to to Jonathan Liu's article, 
which I don't really want to get into because just because we've had Johnny on the show a couple of times and I feel like we should have him on to talk about it at some point if we're going to talk about it but um but yeah I, my personal view is that I, I don't think it's it's unreasonable to I don't think it was unreasonable to have that concern but it's definitely the right decision to pick him and in some ways it would have been self-defeating to not because he's such a good player I mean he's he's the box office bowler in the team it's not like he's going to come in and be a squad player he's the one that you want to watch bowl out of all those guys isn't he and and that in itself tells you a lot I think and I think actually the selectors did it exactly the right way they didn't name him in the original squad but they gave him an opportunity to to prove himself in the Pakistan ODIs he came in and did well and then they they made the call it's desperately harsh on David Willey he's been brilliant for England over four years but it is international sport and you know I'd love to be playing cricket for England in the World Cup as well but I, and you've had a good four years as well. To be fair, I was really close. The only thing, the only missing piece in the puzzle was uh, talent. But aside from that, yeah, and also given the fact that England are going to play nine group games before they get to a knockout, there'll almost be a new team culture by the end of that anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there's every chance that Willie will come in because certainly given Mark Wood's track record and, and quite a few of the bowlers, that it's it's far from guaranteed that they're all going to make it to the end of the tournament. So. But, I, you know, it just makes a lot of sense. If England do have a vulnerability, it is in the bowling. So Archer coming in does make a difference. Potentially, though, the bowlers don't have to do anything outrageous because the England batsmen will back themselves to chase more or less anything or post more or less anything. Can anyone live with England's batsmen? You've obviously got Roy and Bairstow at the top of the order. Frightening proposition. Root at three. Morgan's in blistering form at number four. Then you've got Josh Butler. There's runs in the lower order as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a lineup. I mean, my, yeah, my preview notes consist of a list of names, and England have got the most names <laughs> under their heading for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, as you said, I, you've got six. Well, yeah, but in Bairstow and Butler, they've got the two most destructive batsmen at the moment. Certainly, opening batsmen, consistently yeah. destructive batsmen. Uh, yeah, that's Bairstow and Butler. <laughs> yeah, that's those two. Yeah, <laughs> the two of the names. Uh, down, and it? then Roy. I mean, Roy's arguably the best of them lot, and, he, and he's not even got the best record, but he's arguably the best best of the lot. Uh, and then you throw in Morgan, as you say, and then you've got Root and Stokes, and then you've got the rest of the guys. Butler, you can chuck a. I've, I've said Butler. All right, come on, mate. Uh, Roy is a good player. As yeah, well. I mentioned Roy. Bear anyway, Stone. basically, you've got six names there. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's an almost unparalleled batting lineup isn't it uh, which is which is quite a scary thing to say as an England fan because like how yeah where why I mean th- yeah and and that's it I, you know we have seen the batsmen fail occasionally in the last three or four years but you know in nine in nine group games you know surely they they might only fail once uh, in which case it's irrelevant. I mean, when it comes to the group, when it comes to the knockout you know, knockout games, you know, who knows? It, it's it, it will be tense, but uh, well, that's the question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they they might fail once or even twice in the group stage, maybe even three times. But because of the way this tournament's set up, that might not make a difference. You 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 would think the English batting is good enough. It should fire five, six, seven times, and that will be enough to get them through. But then it does come down to the semi-finals, and this is why. You know, for me, they're undoubtedly the favourites. I think they'd be the favourites anywhere in the world. But the fact it's in England, they are for sure the favourites. But it's not a foregone conclusion because, firstly, as you say, we have seen them. We have seen that they have a bit of a tendency to to collapse in a heap occasionally, particularly if it's on a, a sticky pitch. 
Um, also the pressure, you know, if it comes to the semi-finals and the final, they are going to be expected to win. So how do they deal with that pressure? Um, or you might get just a, a like a, a lightning performance from one or two individuals in the opposition. You know, if they come up against India and Cody plays a Cody innings, you know, maybe that's that's it. It's far from certain that they're going to win. Like they, I think this team will win the majority, maybe even the vast majority of all matches that they play at this point. But they're not going to win every game. And when it does come down to the knockouts, it, anything can happen. And we saw that happen in the, in the Champions Trophy, obviously, a couple of years ago. But I think it would be pretty staggering if they don't make it to the semi-finals. I mean, it would be the biggest disappointment in English sport probably ever. I don't know. Let's, <laughs> you know, let's, that's a crowded field. Yeah. Uh, no, exactly. And, and, and it, the, the st- something, you know, the statistics are pretty staggering. It's like sort of five of the six highest totals since the last World Cup, mm-hmm. the two highest totals ever, which mm. which is yeah, when you consider where they come from, bonkers. Well, as I say, they they will feel they can chase anything, even if. Um, someone posts a world record score against them they'll at least feel they're in with a chance you know you wouldn't rule them out so and that's pretty remarkable we should probably talk about some other teams i mentioned that we're we're sat on this mat here which tony is just gradually rubbing sand (laughs) into with the the soles of his feet but it's we're kind of the, the sand doesn't look wet but the longer we sit here the more my posterior is getting yeah, soaked from the sand underneath it's pretty damp um so maybe we ought to speed this up or uh, or it's going to get pretty ugly if england are the favorites tone are there obvious second favorites in your mind or does it become a bit packed lower down i'd be surprised well yeah i think india and australia are the uh, uh, the two next cabs off the rank that's interesting that you say australia yeah i, I think so uh Let's talk about India first. Yeah, because yeah. I, I would have them as my as second favourites, clear second favourites. Yeah, and I, I, w- I probably wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, India will get to the semi-finals surely as well. Uh, almost, yeah, almost certainly. You know, in obviously in Kohli, they've got the most accomplished batsman in the world uh, at the moment. Whether with him and the players around them, they can match England on on their day. I don't even know about that, which is which is again quite remarkable, given you know how much Kohli has, has grown into this like just behemoth of a batsman who, mm. who just you know seems capable of almost anything. Uh, I guess with you know Rohit and Shikhar Dhawan around him, you know as a batting lineup, India have, have obviously got what it takes. And in, and, you know, and in the bowling department, you know as we we saw from them when they last toured England, you know they they know what they're doing in in those conditions now. Uh, Bumra, you know, is one of the best bowlers in the tournament, isn't he? Yes. We've both got lists of names in <laughs> front of us. So. Chucking, you're just getting ahead of me here. Basically, you could boil this preview down to Tony saying Rohit, Shikadawan, I say Bumra, and then we move on. Yeah, just cut out the gaps. Uh, and, and, you know, you just get the sense w- with India as well, unlike England. You know, England have got a, a, an atrocious record in the World Cups since the early days of, of one-day cricket. Uh or one day World Cups. Well, since 92. So yeah. in all our experience of watching cricket, they've been abysmal. In our conscious lifetime. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas India obviously won semi recently. Uh, and and you, just as an outside observer, I don't, you know, I don't know what the kind of, the, I don't know what the mentality is like in India around this kind of stuff, but you just feel like there's a, there isn't, uh, there's a, a confidence about this Indian team now that they, that, that they'll be going and thinking they're favourites. I think. And justifiably so up to a point. If England weren't this good, 
then they would be favourites because this India team is formidable as well. And you know, you've you've mentioned your names. One other name that I'll throw in is Kuldeep Yadav. Uh, he obviously had a sensational uh, few, ha- ham, only a handful, but a sensational handful of white ball games in England last year. And England really struggled to work him out. They did eventually, but they found it difficult. And you know, so he'll be a big weapon as well. This is also an extremely good team. And if they come up against England in the final, and Kohli does a Kohli, they will certainly back themselves. So, by the way, how good a final would that be as well? I mean, that that would be blockbuster. So yeah, for me, definitely the second favourites. They, they on Sunday the sixteenth of June, they take on Pakistan, which is going to be a big old game. You would say um, there's obviously been some doubt about whether it would even take place because of recent tensions, but it seems to be on. As for Pakistan, you know they're, they're probably going to be a little bit battered and bruised after this uh, this four nil defeat in the in the warm up series against England, but. I, I don't think they played as badly in that series as that scoreline perhaps suggests. You know, if you didn't watch the games and you just look at the scoreline, you think, oh, Pakistan got thrashed. They actually didn't. I think they played some pretty good cricket. They've got a very decent bowling attack, haven't they? But, you know, there's not necessarily much that anyone can do, as we say, about England's batsmen at the moment. You, Before that series, you probably would have picked the the batting as, as their weak point, as Pakistan's weak point. But they were actually really impressive against England. I think they, they posted... 340 or more in three out of four completed innings and, and just shy of 300 in the other. And just to mention some names here, Fakhar Zaman, Imam Al-Haq and Baba Razam, all terrific players and all seem to be in, in form. I don't know, it's very, it's very difficult to say with Pakistan, isn't it? It's such a cliche that they're you know mercurial, that you never know what you're going to get, but that they can turn it on and often do it global tournaments. And obviously they won the Champions Trophy in England two years ago. The one thing I would say is that the nature of this format might work against them. You feel like they might be, for that kind of, um, that Pakistan thing to happen where they suddenly switch it on and win out of nowhere, uh, which they obviously did in England as well in 2009 in the World T20, you feel like that needs to be more of a kind of short, sharp, condensed tournament where they can just suddenly win a couple of games and they've won it. With this, you know, are they going to win enough of those nine group stage matches to get to the semi-finals? If they do they would have a very good chance of winning it because on their day they can beat anybody but I don't know that they're going to get out of the group and, and, and that's a beauty of the, the the tournament I think you know I think England will steamroll of the group but you know they're just the, the way things are, are shape you know shape up you know most teams can beat most teams on their day you're right they're trying, you're trying to put your sunglasses. Get my sunglasses back on here hang on it's like it's like watching a child learning to dress himself everywhere uh, but yeah I, I don't have Pakistan in my final four mm. well you mentioned as one of your other three favourites for the tournament you mentioned Australia be interested be interested to know why you've got them rated so highly they are obviously the defending champions and actually what they've won four of the last five World Cups but you know that's the sort of stat that I don't know, like, is the fact they won the World Cup in 1999 going to be that relevant here? Not necessarily. But, you know, they obviously they obviously have an incredible record in World Cups. But for me, they wouldn't be amongst the, the sort of really fancied sides this time. They've, they've had a, a fairly wretched time of it over the last few years, although results have picked up recently. But why have you got them down as, as one of your favourites? Uh, I think, I just think they're, you know, in terms of balance when you compare them to the, some of the other sides you know I, I think they're gonna I, th- I think they'll be in, in the mix uh, Smith and Warner coming that's back that's it you know yeah. particularly the 
the reintroduction of Warner, who had a fantastic IPL, scored, you know, was the top run scorer there. You know, who knows? Obviously, they're going to get a lot of sticks, Smith and Warner. But Warner, you know, an angry Warner is is quite a scary prospect, I think, for for any team. For anyone. Uh, You throw in Glenn Maxwell, who seems to be... Uh, sort of moving to the the front of the the queue in terms of like you know your your, your kind of respected uh, you know big hitters in that Australian squad. Uh, so yeah, he'll be dangerous. And, and then with the ball as well, Mitchell Stark was uh, I think player of the tournament last yeah four years ago. Still still there and thereabouts. So well, he ha- he's not played a lot of ODI cricket since then because of injuries. And he's when he has, he's not been as effective that as that. But yes, yeah, certainly in 2015, he was. Wait, took his wick, his wickets at average of ten or something. He was ridiculous in that tournament. So it'll be, I mean, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the the Smith and Warner effect. Uh, it's going to be spicy. It's going to be yeah. spicy with the England crowds for sure. Uh, but I, I know, I just feel my gut says Australia to make the semis. We'll move on, but just one name you haven't mentioned: Usman Khawaja, who's been in tremendous form at the top of the order. But then that's an interesting one because it's been Khawaja and Finch at the top, and they've actually done really well. Um, instrumental in India when Australia won a series in India recently and that is you know they have been in pretty dire form in ODI cricket but then suddenly they went and won in India and that's when it felt like maybe the the tide was beginning to turn and they'll be feeling much more confident as a result of that series but Kawaja and Finch have started to establish this um, partnership at the top Warner coming back you know these are the questions and it's sort of a bit like the the Archer thing you can't not bring back Warner and Smith but when you've started to establish a, a team that's working how does that affect things and, and does it cause problems? Um, well, I, I, get, I think you have to, I know, because, you know, Warner would be possibly in my top three picks for player of the tournament hmm. going into it. I think, yeah, I think he's going to have a, a blinder. You've said that about six players to me, <laughs> like off mic. Um, it's getting busier on the beach, Tone. It's we're filling sort of, up. We're heading towards sort of after work time and we're getting more and more curious looks. We probably look pretty cool, do we? A couple of guys with microphones and headphones on and laptops sat on a mat on a beach. Yeah, trainers on, (laughs) jeans, jumping. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Should we talk about New Zealand? Go on. Perennial dark horses at global tournaments, aren't they? But are they perhaps not so dark horses this time? You don't have them in your top three. They're, in the, they're in the tussle. I mean, obviously, there's only, uh, you know, there's not that many teams going to miss out. I think uh, you could probably 
I'd be surprised, and we'll come on to them, but I'd be, yeah, I'd be surprised if Afghanistan, Sri Lanka, or Bangladesh, mm-hmm. you know, trouble the business end. Uh, so for me, you're really looking at, uh, uh, for me, a tussle between New Zealand, South Africa, West Indies, and Pakistan for that fourth spot. Mm. My notes for New Zealand say Williamson, Bolt, Southey. So there you go. <laughs> Make of that what you will. Although also... Uh, Sorry, the wind's just picked up there. Um, wow. We're in a hoolie now. <laughs> it is. So out of nowhere. Although I guess uh, Guptal would be another name to add to that mix. And Ross Taylor appearing at his fourth World Cup. Um, do you know, here's a trivia question for you, Tane. Uh, quite a few players have appeared in five World Cups. Two players have appeared in six. God. Who are the two? Uh... I'll be surprised if you don't get one, but I'll be very impressed if you get the other. Uh, Frankly, if you don't get one, you're fired. Jeez, the pressure's on. And I do have hiring and firing authority. You can can cut out the pause in the uh, the final (laughs) edit. Well, it's been 75 minutes so far. A couple of guys playing frisbee up there. I'm just watching that. (laughs) Six. Six, yeah. Come on, mate. There's one really obvious one. No, I know, but you're, you're sort of you're sucking me in here. <laughs> How obvious? Like one of the most famous cricketers ever who played Sachin. for a really long time. Sachin Tendulkar. <laughs> there we go. We got there in the end. The other one will be here literally till next week if I wait for you to try and guess this one. Javed Miandad. Is the oh, other yeah, I would have got that. Would you? Yeah. yeah. Would you now? Shall we move on to South Africa? So you mentioned maybe there's going to be a bit of a scrap between... Uh, some of these sorts of teams we're talking about now for those um, for those other qualification spots potentially South Africa would probably be one of those they've got a pretty fearsome looking pace attack Dale Steyn coming back and seems like he's maybe you know properly fit again which is exciting Rabada and Gidi as well one thing about South Africa is they do have something of an ageing squad so I mean there's, there are certainly plenty of young players in there like Rabada and Ngidi but, but some of the sort of household names are really starting to get on a bit so Stain is 35 Duplessis is 34 which as we know Tone is really yeah, old yeah ancient um, and Imran Tahir is 40 and then there's Hashim Amla as well 36 now he's back in the squad he was dropped for a bit but they they have picked him I mean it would have been a, a brave call not to take him but he has struggled for form in all formats over the last year or so I think he's averaging 28 in ODIs over the last 12 months and you just feel like they need him to get back to form because the the batting does look a little bit light for me without without him given that we're anticipating this tournament to be seeing sort of 340 350 totals as the norm I'm not necessarily the sort of first name you'd think of uh, at scoring at that kind of rate but just the the volume of runs they're going to need a bit more than they've got if without him I would say yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, in De Kock, they've obviously got, you know, a player who can, uh, you know, he deserves to be talked about in the same kind of sentences as, as you know, the, the, the leading names for England and, and whatnot. Uh, but no, I agree with you. I think they're just a bit light on power. But the, but again, you know, if they if they get through to the semis and and, and Rabada, mm-hmm. you know, cleans up in, in the semi-final, you know, who knows? That could go any way. Well, I mean, virtually every team in this tournament have has got one, two, three players. You know, it's got a number of players that can just turn in like an individual performance that 
that completely turns the game on its head. It's a bit more difficult in 50 over cricket to do that than it is in, say, 20 over cricket. Um, it does. You do need more of a team performance. But if South Africa are in the semi-final, then you know it could be someone like David Miller just turns it on. He's very capable of doing that, of scoring you know 80, 90, 100 in in no time. And, and so, you know, South Africa had England twenty for six at Lords, absolutely a couple of years ago. They're, they're certainly in the mix, but for me, they wouldn't be in the top bracket of favourites. And I, I, you know, we'll get on top predictions, but I, I wouldn't be putting them in my semi-final lineup. This is <laughs> having said that. I always predict South Africa to win <laughs> global tournaments and they never do, they never have. So now I've said that, they probably will win it. One team that I do quite fancy is West Indies. Not so long ago, they were in a, they were in a desperate rut in, in ODI cricket. Uh, and of course, they had to come through the qualifier to even make this World Cup. But all of a sudden, things seem to be looking up. Um, we obviously uh, watched a lot of West Indies um, two or three months ago and they got closer than anyone really to beating England as I say England haven't lost a, a bilateral ODI series for a few years well they did draw in the West Indies that was a two-all draw wasn't it um Gale's back tone he can't run but he can certainly whack it a long way are you excited to watch him at this tournament yeah 100% universe uh, boss uh no yeah I like West Indies too I won't give it away as to whether I've put them in my top four but what's going on up there is that lorry on fire <laughs> it does look like it do we need to go and it's absolutely spewing out smoke. <laughs> Do we need to go and sort that out? Should we call the fire brigade? Yeah, just, I mean, the sight of a flaming lorry <laughs> driving along the coast road is quite scary. But I mean, uh, it is dry. It's not stationary. It is just bombing along. I assume it's fine. It looks like a steam engine. Yeah, that's mental. Uh, anyway, anyway, back to the West yeah. Indies. Yeah, uh, no, I like the West Indies. Gale, you're The return right. of Gale. The return of Andre Russell as well, mm. who again, you know, had a, had a belting uh, IPL... I think he's only played one ODI though since 2015. Yeah, so he, so he, yeah, he's been out. You know, been out in the cold for for quite a while. But you know, he's obviously a player who, if West Indies can get into the right situation, you know, I don't know whether Russell's the kind of player who's going to score 180. Uh, I don't know whether he's whether yeah he's he's in that bracket. But certainly, if if West Indies get to a position where they need you know 90 to win off 90 yeah. to win off like five or six overs, you. And Russell was at the crease. He'd probably say, you know, they've they've got a good chance. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I like them. Shimmer on Hetmeyer as Hetmeyer. well. I'm excited to watch about one of my favourite cricketers. Shea Hope as well. Shea Hope. Evan Lewis, who was injured for that that series against England, is back and is a, another very exciting person. So Ashley they've, Nurse. They've, <laughs> well, they've certainly got the batting. I, li- I quite like Ashley Nurse. <laughs> I do actually, like Ashley Nurse. He does a job. He's not a you know. He's not a box office cricketer, but he does a job. He can bat as well. And, and, and clearly, you know, with the West Indies compared to the last few years, you know, there is a sense that the, there is optimism returning. There's a good spirit there. They can be very dangerous. Yeah, there's a bit, a bit, of, bit of team unity there now, which there perhaps wasn't before. I mean, the, the bowling perhaps not as eye-catching. Um, but having said that, I mean, still Roach and Gabriel, neither of whom played a part, or did Roach play one game maybe in, in that England series? But there, there's certainly going to be some some pace there and obviously we saw Sheldon Cottrell come into tremendous effect in that series too how, how many salutes do you think we might see over the next few weeks probably a few I'd imagine yeah I, I'm i excited to watch Western Indies and I, I, I do fancy them to, to go far well we've got three teams left and three teams that as you've said already and at the risk of ending up with egg on our faces I don't think have much of a chance of winning the tournament or even making the semi-finals all capable of springing a surprise all capable of beating most teams beating anyone potentially on their day but 
you know, you'd imagine going to be difficult for any of them to get out of the group. Let's maybe talk about Sri Lanka first. Sri Lanka usually there or thereabouts uh, in World Cups, uh, but they've had a terrible time of it in ODI cricket over the last few years. I think this is right. They haven't won a bilateral series against any of the teams at this tournament. So they have beaten Scotland and they've beaten Ireland, but they, uh, anyone that they're going to be playing against, they haven't won a series against them for three and a half years. I think it's the, the winter of 2015, 2016, when they beat West Indies as the last bilateral ODI series they won, which is pretty remarkable, really. Over the winter just gone, they lost 11 out of 12 ODIs against England, New Zealand and South Africa. And they're perhaps unsurprisingly, given that form, had a bit of a panicked selection for this tournament. They dropped five established players and changed their captain coming in here. Karuna Ratna, who's the test captain, uh, has been made ODI captain as well. So perhaps just a little bit short of quality, Tone. And I have to say, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they finish ninth or even tenth. Uh, I'm probably with you on that. Yeah, you know, they're obviously some way away from from the, the the great Sri Lankan sides, which were you know full of uh, genuine world class players. <laughs> Sorry, I just took a Definitely sip of water from my gulp. from my water bottle, and it was the, the the nozzle was absolutely covered in sand. <laughs> uh, you know, which is a, a shame for Sri Lanka. But then again, you say they've hazard. got nine games here. Yeah, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the risk of sounding patronising. That's a, a, a great experience for for mm. some of those younger players. And you know, who know, you know. I'll be honest. I don't know a lot about some of those the players in that team, but uh, yeah, chance to. Oh, I'm sounding a bit like Alan Shearer now. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lassith yeah. Malinga. Who's that? Uh, but but you know, like Tassara Pereira has produced the goods in the last uh, you know the last year or two. Uh, so they yeah they have got a bit of shape to them. Karen Ritner as well. It's not how you pronounce it, but yes. How do you say it? Karina Ratner. Karina Rutner. <laughs> Sounding like uh, Mark Lawrenson now. Uh, yeah. Karina Rutner. Karina Ratner. Karina Ratner. Oh, yeah. And Karina Ratner as well. I'm not going to uh, edit any of oh, that. Oh, for out. God's <laughs> sake. Uh, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're going to, you know, talk about sort of the Sara Pereira, uh, but they're going to need a sort of Kusel Pereira performance nine times, aren't they, probably to get out this? Is he in the group. squad? Yes. Okay. So he'll be exciting to watch. I mean, they they obviously do have some very good players. Angelo Matthews as well. Malinga, I mentioned. Kusal Mendes. Like, this is not... It's not a bad team on paper, but they just haven't been able to string it together. And you, you would just say, compared to most of the other teams, while they've got a lot of good players, they don't have as many good players or the good players they have are not as good. This is a pretty cutting-edge... Back edge to basics that. punditry, isn't <laughs> it? Really high-level punditry. All right, two teams to go. Bangladesh... Bangladesh had a, a good tournament in, in 2015. You probably remember saying that, that we talk about England's dismal moment there, where it was Bangladesh who beat them to knock them out and, and qualify uh, for the quarterfinals in that tournament. And they've certainly got it in them to have another very good tournament. You know, they're, they're no longer just kind of making up the numbers uh, at these global events. Um, and, you know, they will fancy themselves to, to do something here and, and potentially even to get out of this group. It's going to be difficult, but they won't see it as impossible. And actually, we talk about West Indies being uh, a strong shout, you know, having having a chance of winning this tournament. Well, Bangladesh just beat them three times in Ireland and, and beat them in the final of that tri-series with Ireland. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you, it would probably be wrong to, to write Bangladesh off completely. And they do have some of the most exciting cricketers 
in the world in their ranks in in Shakib obviously and certainly Mustafiza Rahman is one of my favorite players so so yeah I mean I, perhaps I'm I'm sort of talking myself into giving them more of a chance than I was expecting to sounds like yeah and uh and to give you a couple of other names as well you know they've got the experience there you know Tamar Mikbal has, has, has seen it all Sarka as well you know player who's, who's performed well over the last couple of years yeah, I really like Bangladesh as a, as a as a team and I would love to see them do well. Not to not to bring it down but um obviously they had a very tough experience in New Zealand a few months ago and you know very traumatizing events there when they were uh very nearly caught up in the in the terrorist attack on the mosque in Christchurch. From what I've read that has been a, a as I say a very traumatizing event and they've a lot of the players have found it very difficult to cope after they went back home so what effect that might be having on them sort of psychologically and personally and everything and, and whether this World Cup is coming at the wrong moment perhaps but certainly like it could on- go either way though couldn't it I mean you know once they get into the team environment and, and uh, you know have, have got that clear focus of a, a tournament to play it might bring the best out of them yeah it could be a, an inspiring thing or an, out- you know, an outlet an outlet to, yeah, to, yeah. Um, so we'll see but they, they they'll be exciting to watch there's no doubt about that um, speaking of exciting to watch, Afghanistan are the, the last team, the, the, the one team we haven't talked about. How much are you looking forward to watching Rashid Khan at this tournament? Well, yeah, by this point, if he's not the foremost limited overs bowler in the world, he's, he's not far off, uh, which is an astonishing rise. I mean, it's, it's as almost as astonishing as, you know, Afghanistan's rise, mm-hmm. really, in terms of sort of speed and, uh, the, yeah. Uh, he sort of personifies yeah. the, the achievement of the whole team. Uh, yeah, huge, yeah, going to be really excited to see them. I mean, it is, I guess, for Afghanistan now, their second appearance at a World Cup. You know, they'll be wanting to, to talk about, you know, to, to focus on now moving on from just being the, the amazing story. But it is, you know, it still does bear repeating just how remarkable it is that, that Afghanistan are here. You know, and, and regardless of the format or whatever, you know they're they're they're, they're at this World Cup on on merit for sure. And well, uh, sort of the what most they've achieved. The most remarkable thing about it is that Afghanistan are here, and it doesn't seem that remarkable. Yeah, now, exactly. That it's almost like routine that there are these tournaments because it, yeah, as you say, it is a bit of a cliche, or it's at least very well trodden ground. You know, to to keep talking about what an amazing story it is, what an inspiring story it is. But it is, and it is worth reflecting on occasionally because 15 years ago they were playing. British forces teams like the Afghanistan national team was playing British armed forces teams and that was their level and now they're here at the World Cup and you wouldn't put it past them to beat anybody to beat England to beat India potentially if they have a day where they play out of their skin and well uh, yeah and just over 10 years ago they were playing in Jersey in World Cricket League Division 5 uh, and you know that 2008 that you know not long after uh, the war and, and, and you know everything that that brought I mean you know it's kind of remarkable to think that a, a cricket team kind of came out of that just a few years later and, and was playing, you know, was playing cricket in a place like where we are now, which mm. just seems a million miles away from, from that situation. Uh, to get to that point even was, was pretty remarkable. But then from there to become a team that are quite like rightly in the conversation at the top level of world cricket and producing players who are, uh, you know, Rashid Khan, you might might be in your sort of t- your composite eleven of the tournament going into it. Potentially, I haven't done one of those. Come but. on, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it, it's it's remarkable and and you know it's it it can't be said enough how awesome it is to see. Uh, I missed a trick there last night. I was uh, watching television with my girlfriend. I, I should have been <laughs> wasting drawing, time. Should have been drawing up a composite eleven. 
Um, in terms of how they're going to fare on the pitch, another team that's uh, rather impulsively changed their captain right on the eve of the tournament, Gulbuddin Naib, uh, has now taken over. So could that be a, a destabilizing thing? You know, remains to be seen. And they might find the conditions difficult. And this is probably something that applies to Bangladesh as well. Afghanistan do rely very heavily on this, but it's Rashid Khan, but also Mohammed Nabi and, and a couple of others. If this World Cup was on the subcontinent, you'd actually give them a decent shout of, you know, causing some upsets and, and doing quite well. I think they will find it more difficult in England, you know, assuming that we have the conditions that we're expecting. It's, that's going to be a real challenge for them. But I'm looking forward to watching them play. And I, I think they will give teams a run for their money. And, you know, again, to come back to it, we obviously started this on a bit of a downer talking about the uh, the format. But, you know, it, it's going to be nice to see, you know, we don't get the opportunity and, you know, English cricket fans, you know, might not necessarily be watching. And, uh, you know, I didn't I haven't seen a huge amount of, of Afghanistan's matches going into this, but the chance to see them play nine matches. Mm. Uh, and 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 face every team you know at that top table is going to be uh, yeah it's going to be really cool. And they're sort of flying the flag for I don't want to say associate cricket because they're a full member now they're not an associate team but with the you know the the controversy around the ten team thing um, they're sort of you know if if Afghanistan can do well here and win a couple of matches and and play competitive cricket it will in a way be one in the eye for the ICC and will kind of hint to the fact that perhaps if Ireland were there as well and, and Scotland were there as well and Nepal and all these other teams that it would have been a better tournament. So, um, you know, which it would have been. Which it would have been. So I imagine, you know, sort of Irish fans will be hoping, will be supporting Afghanistan as well. Okay, so after all of that then, Tone, where's your money? I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to press you on this, for a semi-final lineup, two finalists and a winner. Uh... In that order, yeah. semi-final lineup. There's so much sand in this bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to not put it on the sand. Mm. It's like a space-age nozzle you've got there. Surprised it doesn't like self-clean the sand out. It's a vacuum-sealed bottle. This. It's I don't even know what that means. No, I, d- I don't know what it means. I made Mist it up. Mist and sip. It's insulated. Right. So it's supposed to keep it, you know, a constant temperature. But it's just getting so much sand in here. It's awful. Just stand it upright. Yeah. Putting it in that hole just wasn't a good idea. <laughs> uh, okay, semi-final lineup. England, India, Australia, West Indies. Okay. Shall I give you mine? Yeah. Similar to that. England, India, New Zealand, West Indies. Okay, okay. Uh, Fine. Final. I, I'm going to go... I, I, yeah, I just... I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, Why am I letting you go first? Because we're, we're both going to say the same thing. Well, no, I think I'm going to go India to win the tournament. Wow. Mm. Is that sort of, um, is that insurance? Is that like emotional insurance for you? Because at least I'll have got it right yeah. on this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, kind yeah. Of, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. Because if, if you're wrong and England win it, you'll be happy. Yeah. But if England don't win it, you'll be happy. Even if, India don't win it you'll be like well I didn't say England were going to win it exactly uh, I, I mean I don't know it's just hard isn't it you, you can't England are obviously the outstanding team yeah but uh, yeah who knows in a in between two semi-finals and a final what the hell is going to happen so yeah uh, I'm going to go India just on on sort of weight of of kind of internal confidence I think England might have a crisis of confidence 
at the key moment. So you're going for an India-England final? Yeah. See, I want to go for... I'll, I'll do it. I'll say England-India final, but England to win. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it is it is tough, isn't it? Uh, do you, I mean, what, it, say you divided these 10 teams into four groups of four. Uh, if you divided these team teams up and, and you had, a, a, you know, they're only playing two or three group matches, pool matches into quarterfinals, there'd be, you could make a stronger case, but I just, it's surely something spectacular would have to go wrong for England and, for England and India not to make the semis. Yeah. And at which point, yeah, they'll, they'll get through, I think. Well, it's going to be fascinating. That's for sure. It's going to be, well, it's going to be a fascinating, if somewhat long, six or seven weeks. Uh, and we're going to be right across it all here on the World Cricket Show. What's our schedule for the World Cup team? Uh, we're going to be recording every Wednesday and you're going to get it up on the day. I'm going to do my best to get it up on, on the day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just do it almost as you could just like, pop it. If you could cut out some of your blue humour <laughs> and uh, bonkers political opinions so that I don't have to do so much editing, sort of self-editing yeah. rather than me having to edit it out, that would Make help. Your life easier. That would okay. help. Uh, yeah, so we're going to record every Wednesday uh, throughout the tournament. Uh, hopefully have it up if Adam pulls his <laughs> finger out each Wednesday evening. Yeah, it'll uh, either be Wednesday evening or sometime on Thursday. <sighs> with a recap of obviously what's happened over the course of the week, uh, you know, and our usual mix of light, light-hearted banter and punditry. <laughs> World-class yeah. humour and insight, which is uh, one of our iTunes reviews that um, my mum wrote. Things might start to get a little bit tricky around the sort of semi-finals final time yeah i'm off to the island no, i'm joking well i was gonna say you are that <laughs> is joking, one of the problems you're off to the island games with work uh, but also i am having a baby congratulations thanks very much I, I, this is the first you're hearing yeah, of yeah it. No, i can't believe you you've sprung that on me now uh well yeah i'm, I'm actually off to an nct class after this uh, but yeah having a baby in mid-july like pretty much the due date is more or less the world cup final so and it's a boy it's a boy yeah will it be owen if England win? Yeah, true, actually. Oh, well, I was planning a few Joffre. <laughs> Joffre, not Joffrey. <laughs> yeah. Joffre. A few people have said to me, are oh, you going to have to name it after a cricketer? So I think what I'm planning at the moment is Atherton, Goff, Flintoff, Hoggard, Bayfield. I like that. How's that sound? Yeah. Athers. <laughs> yeah. Athers, Bayfield. Athers, quite a strong name. Post Atherton, Bayfield. Yeah. Um, so yeah, having a baby in July, which uh, is going to make the podcast well i mean obviously we are gonna we obvi- <laughs> get your priorities straight we obviously are gonna record a podcast after the world cup final um but i just don't so know you might be exactly when, well exactly i, I could it, i literally might be on the labor ward during the world cup final so we'll see what happens but um we'll make sure your skygo account is uh <laughs> topped up yeah yeah elena's very excited about this it should work out cool. i mean it's a bit of a shame in a way that it's this way round, you know, I'm not having the baby before a, a winter Ashes tour because, you know, I'd be excited about those late night feeds and stuff. But um, but might have a couple of weeks of paternity leave during the Ashes if the baby comes. The baby's got to come a bit late, which Elena doesn't seem to be on board with. But if it comes a, a week or so late, then it, I should time my paternity leave spot on for the Ashes. It, yeah, I mean, that, these are the things you need to be thinking about. <laughs> and Elena has to be thinking about as well. You know, forget everything else. Just focus on the cricket. Well, anyway, there's there's some way to go before that. So, yeah, there'll be plenty of podcasts throughout the World Cup um, before we get to July. It's remarkable, is it, if you'd have sort of played this section of the, of the podcast to, to us sort of 10 years ago? 
It was like the 2019 World Cup. You're having a baby during it. It's mental. Yeah. It's, it's like something from the future. It is. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where um, Lisa sees the future and she's the president and Bart's the dropout <laughs> uh, loser. And that's kind of like me and you. Well, and probably actually, to be fair, the thing we'd be most excited about is that we're recording it on the beach. We'd be <laughs> yeah. like, wow, what, what like magic technology has allowed this to happen? <laughs> yeah. Like, forget the baby. Forget, you know. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, it's an exciting future we're living in. It is. Um, well, one of the exciting things about the future is that, you know, there's social media. Uh, and you can get involved on the World Cricket Show social media accounts. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. Tony's got his phone out already. Are you following us on Facebook? Is that what you're making doing? sure. Making notes of these handles. We're on Twitter as well, at Cricket Show. Tony's at Tony Cover. I'm at Adam Bayford12. We're on Instagram at World Cricket Show. If you want to send us an email with some thoughts about the tournament, it's worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a couple of ways to do that. The free way is to write a review on uh, iTunes or should I say Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you use, because that really does help to push us up the rankings and and bring new people to the show. Uh, The not-so-free way is to support us with your cash on Patreon, patreon.com slash cricket show. Help to keep us in business. Now, long-time listeners amongst you uh, will know that traditionally a World Cup or a a World T20, or a T20 World Cup as it's going to be known, uh, would offer me the chance to defy the odds and, and prove that I actually have the better cricket knowledge than Adam uh, with a, a, you know, in the fantasy game, which I've been able to do every single time since we started the podcast. Not sure about that. but Not I, sure the facts would bear that out. Well, just have a look. Have a look. But you know, sadly, at this point, with eight days to go until the start of the tournament, the ICC has not pulled its finger out. Uh, and it, there's no, seemingly no official fantasy game, which is a bit disappointing for us. It's very disappointing. And it doesn't seem like there's any noise. I actually emailed them in my keenness, emailed the ICC <laughs> uh, a couple of months ago. Never heard back. <laughs> Didn't even acknowledge my email. But uh, you're a blue tick, Tony. I know. Maybe you should have tweeted at them. But, you know, having scoured Twitter as well, there's not even any mention it there. So we may be calling a snap general fantasy cricket game <laughs> uh, in the next week. Possibly using the Telegraph version. Well, that's is that the, the only option we've got at the moment? We think. I think it looks like it. Just there are that. a couple of I don't know, but the Telegraph. What the pitfalls are? I think it's only available to UK credit card holders, and that that gives you a clue. It costs you three pounds. Right. But there is a prize, I guess, an actual prize, not just a mug from us. So yes, yeah, so at the moment, the Telegraph one looks like our only option, which I know will be very disappointing news to our Australian listeners, American listeners, etc., etc. But Fingers crossed the ICC do just suddenly turn round over the next week and unveil a fantasy league game. So he's just cleaning the sand off his laptop with his toe, <laughs> which is also covered in sand. So I'm not sure that's super helpful. I mean, in the spirit um, of this World Cup, yeah, they probably will reveal it on the on the eve of it. It's possible. And it would seem very strange if they don't have one, because as you say, they have had them at the last, well, at all the previous global events recently. And this is the World Cup like they did it for the Champions Trophy why would they not do it for the World Cup so it is possible and if it does happen we obviously will set up a game and and uh, and get involved but we're we're planning to do either a podcast or a Facebook live next Wednesday with some sort of last minute thoughts on the tournament so at that point we will know what the situation is so keep your eyes on that and we'll obviously put it out on social media as well but yeah basically just keep your eyes peeled at Cricket Show on Twitter we'll keep you What's the word? Updated. No, yeah, well, well, yeah, exactly. 
that's where you're going to get all the breaking fantasy news. One very last thing to say, Tane, that we haven't mentioned is that you're actually going to a couple of games in this World Cup, aren't you? Yeah, uh, I've stolen your tickets. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were going to go together, but then you had this this baby thing. Yeah. So you're you're out. Uh, so myself and the London correspondent Gordon McRae are going to West Indies, South Africa, courtesy of you. At although I've paid you for the tickets. Yeah. At uh, Southampton, mm-hmm. and then I'm also going to the England Australia game at Lords, which will be tasty. Yeah, that's massive. That you've got tickets for that. So can you give us some sort of live reporting from the ground I as can well? Try. <laughs> Live beer snake updates. Brilliant. There's a huge amount to look forward to over the next couple of months. Can we just... I, I know you want to go on with things to have a swim. Well, it's not that. It's that my behind is absolutely soaking <laughs> wet from sitting on this mat for like an hour and a half. We go can't on. let this podcast... I know it's our World Cup preview, but can we just briefly mention the uh, the glorious launch of the 100? <laughs> yeah, go on, go on, go on. Uh, you, people probably almost certainly saw it, but uh, the, yeah, the ECB or whoever was behind the marketing of the 100, yeah, sort of pulled the trigger, launched a very basic website and sort of registration for tickets. And alongside that, uh, the logo. Underwhelming <laughs> would would be a generous description yeah. of how it went down. Yeah. Just astonishing. Why announce it three weeks before the World Cup, whatever it was? Bizarre. For, for one. Bizarre in timing. England, but yeah. meant like bo- genuinely bonkers. Yeah. And with that... They announced it. It was the most, possibly the most low-key announcement of anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Like restaurants opening Guernsey <laughs> with more fanfare than that. Uh, it's actually insane. And you know, obviously, you know, you, there was lots of chat about the, the content that was on the website, the photos, you know, that were taken from gigs in America. Stock images, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just think just the, the whole thing was just very, very peculiar. I mean, that that stock image thing, like in some ways, has been overdone and i know like the ecb kind of bridled a bit at the fact that people kept bringing it up for anyone who's not seen it's that one of the one of the sort of key marketing images turned out was is like the first result on google images if you just put in audience or something like that and they just you know the response to a journalist asking about that was look it's just an image on a website which it isn't i mean what is marketing if it's not that but also the 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 stupid thing about it is that their whole pitch for this tournament is that we want to get in a new type of fan we want to bring in mums and kids. That was the, the Strauss-Harrison thing right from the beginning. And that picture is all men. And like that is just just incredibly incompetent marketing. And they're spending hundreds of thousands of pounds on this. It's just bizarre. Yeah, uh, very odd. So it'll be interesting. I think they've penciled in the, the live draft, which going on this will be like, you know, some... It'd be like when we uh, pulled our teams for the IPL out of a hat, you know, yeah. be a few pieces of paper and a in a bit of Tupperware. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's going to be October live on Sky Sports. So that'll be interesting. I mean, if you get the gig hosting, <laughs> are you going to change your tune on this tournament? Yeah, almost certainly, but it will be Felix White, I'm sure. So <laughs> I've just given up. There's no point in even trying now to forge a career in anything. Felix White is. <laughs> Felix White will be doing it. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, plenty more on that in <laughs> due course. Exactly. We'll come back to that. But let's... Let's focus on the World Cup over the next few weeks. Right, that is it. I've enjoyed doing this on the beach, though. I'm glad the tide was going out. Did we check that before? It's It has gone out. It's gone quite a long way. Because we could sort of pitch camp right by the tide line. So. No, it's been a revelation. I think we'll be doing this more often, would be my prediction. Hopefully the background noise wasn't too annoying for people. Let us know. Uh, all right. Thanks, Tone. Cheers. We're going to go for a swim now. See you guys soon. 
Bye bye for now. Great. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.